countdown to the election. Less than a month to go. The White House and Congress both up for grabs. A North Carolina Senate race down to the wire. It is one of the most watched, most expensive, and now most controversial in the country. Seriously, this is a person who time and time again shifts his positions, writes and rewrites his record. Cal has said anything he could to get elected. And while we know North Carolina is a swing state, in a race this tight, the presidential campaign's focusing on swing precincts. Here in North Carolina, you really have to think about two different types of suburbs, one of which is very much a battleground status area. Zip codes that could determine the outcome of the election. Your neighborhood could be one of them. The COVID-19 pandemic forcing many voters to cast their ballots by mail. How can you know your vote will be counted? This process that we use for absentee ballots has been in place here in North Carolina for the last 20 years. It has proved its value. And election night turns into election month. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be filled with emotion, a lot of charges going back and forth. Why experts say mid-December might be the soonest we have an official decision. We know you have questions and we've got the answers. Thank you for joining us here on WCNC Charlotte. I'm Fred Shropshire. And I'm Sarah French. Just last week was the first presidential debate. A lot has happened since then, and we still have 27 days to go until the election. The only vice presidential debate between Mike Pence and Kamala Harris happening in one hour from now right here on WCNC Charlotte. We'll go live to Salt Lake City in about five minutes. Before the debate, we want to give you all the information you need before you cast your vote, if you haven't already. Over the next hour, we we are going to bring you everything you need to know when it comes to absentee ballots, early voting, voting at the polls, why North Carolina is so important, and much more. We start off with what's at stake. Next month, the balance of power in Washington is up for grabs, and it's all in the hands of swing state voters scattered across the country, including right here in North Carolina. The election could have impacts felt across the country for decades. The big race at the top of the ticket is the presidential contest. Republican incumbent Donald Trump running against Democrat Joe Biden. The president faces a global pandemic that he is personally battling himself, an economic crisis and social unrest. As of tonight, he is poised to get a third justice on the Supreme Court. Joe Biden is running against Trump's record while reminding voters of his own eight years as vice president to Barack Obama. Every four years, a new state emerges as the most competitive state, a state so evenly split all of the campaigns fight till the bitter end, and they pour buckets of money into TV ads. As WCNC Charlotte's Ben Thompson shows us, this year it looks like the whole country's in for a North Carolina nail-biter. 20 years ago, Florida emerged as the tightest of swing states. We learned the term dimpled chads. And we saw firsthand how a presidential election with millions of votes can come down to just a few hundred in one state. Two decades later, the presidential campaigns have Carolina on their minds. It's a state that's voted for both Barack Obama and Donald Trump. But this year, the Tar Heel state, tight as ever. A razor-thin race between Joe Biden and Donald Trump polls showing them neck and neck. If you look at the polls, particularly at the presidential level here in North Carolina, North Carolina, along with Florida, are the two closest battleground states. In a pandemic, the campaign trail more virtual than ever, but Charlotte, one of the few spots both candidates visited in the last few weeks. The president signing two executive orders. We're standing up for our people, we're standing up to special interests, we're taking on the powerful lobbyists, we're stopping the radical socialists. And Joe Biden meeting with small business owners at Camp North End. 
I promise you, I guarantee you, if I'm elected, you'll get both the PPE, you'll get also the money to be able to open. And perhaps the biggest indicator of a Carolina showdown, cold, hard commercial cash. Non-stop, never-ending campaign ads greeting you in every commercial break. President Trump is protecting pre-existing conditions. Prescription drugs are more affordable. The cost of insulin is going down. Under President Trump, our benefits and our health care are safe and secure. The president is supposed to care, to lead, to take responsibility. This is about something bigger. This is about dignity and respect for working people. Ben Thompson reporting. And while President Trump and Joe Biden took to the debate stage last week for the first time tonight, it's their running mate's turn. Vice President Pence and Kamala Harris will take to the debate stage in less than an hour from now. NBC's Jay Gray is live in Salt Lake City tonight ahead of that debate. Jay, last week we saw what many people call the worst presidential debate ever. How do you think tonight will compare? Well, Fred, I think it will be a bit different. I do think it will be contentious. contentious. I think there will be some back and forth. And I, and I should report Kamala Harris just now making her way into the university area and to the debate hall, which is just behind us here. Look, they differ on a lot of issues that will be brought up tonight, and I think you'll see them go back and forth. Remember, Senator Harris is a former prosecutor, so she's going to really push on some of those areas she believes very strongly in. And you've got the vice president who's going to continue really to keep the company lined here. He has been lock and step with President Trump, and we expect to see that continue this evening uh, as they tackle the issues. Now, we don't know exactly what they're going to be discussing. We don't know the topics for the different sections of this debate. You could pretty much assume COVID is going to be a big player here, and, and including the outbreak at the White House, the economy, the jobless rate, immigration and the environment. Those are pretty sure bets and it'll be interesting to see how they play off of one another. But I don't believe and a lot of analysts I've talked to don't believe it's going to dissolve into that name calling and, and frankly embarrassing presidential performance. And because of what we saw last time, I'm sure uh, a lot of people are wondering and I'm wondering too, what's the format for tonight? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and it starts with COVID, everything framed by COVID. So they'll be a little more than 12 feet apart. There'll be plexiglass screens between the candidates here, all separated. Only 200, 250 people total inside this hall, uh, a lot fewer than that in the crowd, and they'll be socially distanced. Everyone uh, will be COVID tested, has been, and everyone's got to wear this mask. It's the one the university gives everyone. We have it on as well. Uh, and if they don't, if someone refuses, what officials here are saying is, they'll escort them from the room. Now, as far as how they'll discuss these topics, instead of six 15-minute sessions, they'll have nine 10-minute sessions. The idea is that the candidates will understand they have limited time, and so they've got to stay focused on the issues. We'll see if that plays out. All right, a lot of contingencies, including uh, accounting for a global pandemic. Jay Gray reporting live from Utah. Jay, thank you for that report. Yeah. Well, one of the most watched, most contested, and most expensive Senate races right here in North Carolina. But now it's also the most controversial. Tom Tillis is defending his seat against Cal Cunningham. Senator Tillis is one of the most vulnerable Senate candidates, and now he's battling the coronavirus himself. Democratic challenger Cal Cunningham now has a controversy of his own as he's caught up in a sexting scandal. So how will that affect this race? WCNC Charlotte's Ashley Daly takes a look at what's at stake. 
Political experts say the North Carolina race between Republican Tom Tillis and Democrat Cal Cunningham could help decide the balance of power in the U.S. Senate. Republicans hold a 53 to 47 majority. Democrats would likely need to win four seats to take it, and many have their eyes on North Carolina as one seat that might flip. But now new details emerging in the alleged affair between Cunningham and his mistress Arlene Guzman-Todd, a married mother of two. In new text messages obtained by the Associated Press and WRAL, the relationship went beyond sexual text and also included at least one intimate encounter at Cunningham's home in Raleigh. I would be concerned as a, as a father of, of, of children and how that's perceived, so I weigh, it would weigh heavy on my heart. Cunningham's actions now also under investigation by the Army Reserve. His opponent, Republican Senator Tom Tillis, tweeting today, we need answers, Cal, and we need them now. Cunningham has issued an apology and his campaign today said Cal is participating in the investigation process, but some voters say there's no explanation needed. It does make me sick that he would do something so stupid and and just so terrible to his family but I'm gonna play the long game and I'm gonna vote to flip the Senate aside from that that does not define him uh, we need to turn that Senate around I'm voting for Cal. A Senate race drawing similarities to the presidential race. As some voters say, it's more about what happens on the job than in the politicians' personal lives. The party that wins the majority will not only dictate what policies the president can pass, from health care to taxes to climate change, but it will also play a role on who he puts on federal courts. Reporting in Charlotte, Ashley Daly, WCNC Charlotte. Well, it's not just North Carolina with a high-profile Senate race. South Carolina has one as well. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham is defending his seat against Democratic challenger Jamie Harrison. The latest Quinnipiac poll has the two in a tie. It's the closest race Senator Graham has ever found himself in. This past weekend, the two went head-to-head -head during their first debate. Among the topics discussed, the coronavirus pandemic. The virus is a problem that came out of China, not Trump Tower that we're getting vaccines uh, ready, I think, any month now, hopefully even sooner. The drug therapies are working. The one thing I want people to know is that the virus is serious, but we have to move on as a nation. No, we're not going to blame the president. We shouldn't blame the president. We shouldn't blame anybody for the, the inception of this disease. But where blame should come is how we handle this disease. The two will debate two more times before the election. The next debate is set for October 12th. A record number of people are voting by mail this year, some for the first time. So the process is a bit different than voting in person. After the break, what you'll need to know if you're voting by mail in North Carolina. North Carolina voters have a lot of options when it comes to voting. As Lana mentioned, you can vote by mail or you can vote in person on Election Day. And there's a third way to cast your ballot by voting early. WCNC Charlotte's Fred Shropshire explains how it all works. In North Carolina, you don't have to wait until Election Day to vote. One-stop absentee voting, better known as early voting, allows any registered voter to cast an absentee ballot in person on select days before the election. On election day, you can only vote at your specific precinct, but early voting allows you to vote at any designated early voting site in the county. State elections officials expect early voting demand to be high. That's why the Mecklenburg County Board of Elections voted to approve Bank of America Stadium, Spectrum Center, and Bojangles Coliseum as early voting sites. 
Here are some important dates to mark on your calendar. The early voting period in the Tar Heel State runs from Thursday, October 15th to Saturday, October 31st. It's important to note the dates and hours may vary based on where you live. Also important, if you're not registered to vote in your county, you can do that at an early voting site during the early voting period. Once you're registered, you can immediately vote at the same site. This process is known as same-day registration. You'll have to prove your eligibility by completing a voter registration application and provide proof of residence. The Board of Elections will verify all your info, and your vote will be counted unless the board determines that you were not qualified to vote. Well, we have a whole section on our website packed with information about the upcoming election, including where to vote, how to vote, what's on the ballot, and much more. Just head on over to WCNC.com and click on the Decision 2020 Voter Guide right there on the homepage. You could be voting at Bank of America Stadium, Spectrum Center, or Bojangles Coliseum in early voting uh, in just a couple of months from right now, believe it or not. That being approved by the Mecklenburg County Board of uh, Elections. Uh, yep, you can be lined up there. They're doing this because the social distancing that can take place at a stadium or an arena or something like that. The board also voted to use several school gymnasiums. M more details about this expected to be released in the next few weeks. Tornadoes, the tropical storm, severe weather is extreme weather, and we're here to keep you safe and to help you navigate your day. The First Warn team is there for you, no matter the conditions and the location. We're in your hand with the WCNC weather app, and we'll always be there on WCNC Charlotte. So wake up, plan your day and your life. The First Warn storm team will be there for you. The Tar Heel State was actually the first state in the country to start sending them out, meaning North Carolinians were the first in the country to start voting in the 2020 election. Officials are really encouraging anyone who plans to vote by mail to go ahead and request your absentee ballot now if you haven't already. And for the first time this year, you can do it online. First things first, who's eligible? All registered voters in North Carolina may request an absentee ballot for the November 2020 general election. No special circumstances or reason is needed to vote absentee in the Tar Heel State. So how do you get one? To receive a mail-in absentee ballot, you must fill out the state absentee ballot request form. For the November 2020 general election, the completed form must be delivered to the Voters County Board of Elections by 5 p.m. on October 27, 2020. That's the deadline for the request form, not the actual ballot. Now, let's move on to voting absentee. For the 2020 general election, one witness is required for an absentee ballot in North Carolina. The voter is required to mark the ballot in the presence of that witness. A bunch of people are prohibited from serving as witnesses, including a person who is under 18 and a person who is a candidate for nomination or election to office, unless the voter is the candidate's near relative. After observing the voter mark the ballot, the voter's witness must complete and sign the envelope in the space designated as witness's certification. Once the ballot is marked, seal the ballot and complete the absentee application and certification on the envelope. Ballots may be returned by mail, commercial courier service, DHL, FedEx or UPS, in person at your county board of elections office or in person at an early voting site in your county. 
In the process in South Carolina, a little bit different. After the break, we are breaking down what you need to know if you are voting absentee in the Palmetto State. Well, we're already seeing record-breaking voter turnout for this election, and the rise in number of votes could ca uh, votes cast could have a really a big impact on the outcome. Voter turnout could be a key factor in this year's presidential race, and we're already seeing signs where it's headed in this election. Let's connect the dots. According to data from the United States Election Project, more than a million people have already voted in the 2020 presidential election. At this same point in 2016, just over 9,000 people had voted. So who benefits from all these votes? Their traditional thinking is Democrats win when more people vote. But according to election experts, this year, that might not be the case. They say right now people are casting ballots at the first opportunity because of Donald Trump. Not just people opposed to the president, but also some of his most ardent supporters. But it might not just be presidential passions driving turnout. Thanks to the pandemic, many states have expanded early voting and made it easier to vote by mail. Concerns about the coronavirus and long lines on Election Day may also be a motivating factor. And that is Connecting the Dots. Deadline to register to vote in North Carolina is Friday. It is coming up fast here. So if you're unsure of how to get registered or if you're registered, it is really easy to check. WCNC Charlotte's Rachel Lungberg here watch, walking us through some of these steps. The Carolinas have made it very simple for everyone to check their registration status. So I'm going to walk you through this process. We received several texts from viewers like this, asking questions connected to what your registration status is. So let's start with North Carolina. You go to vt.ncsbe.gov, Voter Tools, North Carolina State Board of Elections. Click Voter Search to use the voter registration tool. You will need to enter your first and last name. To narrow your search, you can add your year of birth or county, but that is not necessary. With this tool, you will be able to see publicly available information. That includes your voter registration status. If you do not see that your status is active, you can contact your county board of elections. Another viewer asked Monday when sample ballots will be provided. Well, within this same tool, if you are registered, you will see sample ballots for the upcoming election. You will also see your election day polling place, your voter registration number, past elections you've participated in. Again, if something doesn't look correct, the contact information for your county board of elections will be at the bottom of the page. For those who registered in South Carolina, the process is very similar, only you need to go to scvotes.gov and click check my voter registration. So if you have any other election related questions, text them to us 704-329-3600. We will get them answered for you. For WCNC Charlotte, I'm Rachel Lundin. Yeah, and heading to the polls this week in South Carolina. Right now, voters can vote absentee in person or send in their mail-in absentee ballot. After some back and forth, South Carolina chose to make the coronavirus an approved excuse for absentee ballots this year. That has more people requesting them than ever. Here's what you need to know if you are voting absentee in South Carolina. You have two options in South Carolina absentee in person and absentee by mail. To vote in person, visit your county voter registration office, complete an application, and cast your ballot. You can vote absentee in person up until 5 p.m. on the day before the election. A photo ID is required to vote at the polling place. Now let's move to voting absentee by mail. Step 1. Get your application. 
You can do that online at scvotes.org or call your county voter registration office to have the application mailed to you. Step 2. Complete, sign, and return the application. Get the completed application to your county voter registration office as soon as possible. You can return the application by email, mail, fax, or personal delivery. Step 3. Receive your absentee ballot in the mail. Step 4. Vote and return the ballot. Be sure to sign the voter's oath and make sure you have a witness for your signature. In South Carolina, anyone can be a witness. You don't need a notary. Place the ballot in the envelope and return it to your county voter registration office either by mail or personal delivery. And remember this important deadline. It'll have to reach the voter registration office by 7 p.m. on the day of the election. So you've all heard about the Electoral College, but there's a lot of confusion surrounding the centuries-old practice. After the break, we have a refresher on the voting system that could once again play a major role in who wins the White House. At Rules are changing for absentee voters in South Carolina again. Those who want to vote by mail must now have a witness signature on the return envelope. Lawmakers removed that requirement citing the pandemic, but that touched off a legal battle that went all the way to the Supreme Court. WCNC Charlotte's Kendall Morris joins us live with that part of our coverage. Kendall, what does this mean for local voters? Well, Fred, absentee voting has already started here in York County with lines seen outside this building. Now, York County election officials tell me they don't think that this will impact too many people because they were already encouraging people to get a witness signature anyway. The foot traffic to the polls is steady in York County 28 days out from election night. Yeah, I expect it to be a long line and all of that. People voting absentee in person moved quickly through the process. With a sign of the times, long Q-tips not being used for COVID-19 tests, but instead to help people cast their ballot in a sanitary way. Felt safe. I didn't even think about it. Everybody was, you know, social distance. But as people started casting their ballots in this room Monday, late yesterday, the U.S. Supreme Court reinstated the requirement that absentee by mail ballots in South Carolina must have a witness signature on the return envelope. York County sent out just under 20,000 absentee by mail ballots yesterday out of 25,000 requests. In York County, we were encouraging voters just to go ahead and sign, get a witness on your return envelope just in case it changed again. This requirement won't have any impact on the people who cast their ballot in person Monday. And York County elections officials don't anticipate absentee by mail voters will receive their ballots till later this week meaning few, if any, would be returned without a witness signature. Make sure that they get their ballot, their return envelope signed and witnessed, um, and then complete your ballot as soon as possible and get it back to us as quickly as possible. And no matter which method they chose to cast their ballot. It was simple, uh, no hassle, easy. Like the man say, easy peasy. Voters are ensuring their voices are heard 28 days from now. Live in York, Kendall Morris, WCNC Charlotte. Critical information for voters. Thank you, Kendall, for that. And we know there are a lot of questions about voting in the upcoming election, and we are here to help. If there's something you need to know, text your question to 704-329-3600, and our team will work to find an answer for you. See a news story. Wondering if it's true or false? Have WCNC verify it so you know fact from fiction. Send your ideas to verify at WCNC.com.
Since 1880, electors in every state have been chosen for the Electoral College. Those 538 people then choose who our next president will be based on how voters in each state voted. However, there have been four times that the Electoral College elected the candidate who did not win the popular vote, including in 2016. Here's a refresher on the quirk in our voting system that could once again play a major role in who wins the White House. Why does the United States use the Electoral College to pick the president? The founding fathers were split. Should Congress choose the president or should it be left to the people? The use of electors was the solution. When you cast your vote for president, you are deciding which electors will represent your state. The number of electors in each state is determined by how many seats in Congress that state has, and that number is based on the state's population. There are 538 total electoral votes, 535 for the states and three for the District of Columbia. 48 states are winner-take-all. Maine and Nebraska give two electoral votes to the statewide winner and one for the winner of each congressional district. A simple majority of 270 electoral votes is needed to win. If neither candidate gets to 270, the House of Representatives will determine the president. But each state delegation, regardless of the number of electors, must vote as one. So there are only 50 votes up for grabs. The Senate will determine the vice president with a simple majority vote of all 100 senators. The popular vote winner has lost the Electoral College in two of the last five elections. This has prompted calls to switch to a popular vote system. But that requires a constitutional amendment. We hate to break it to you, but when you go to bed on November 3rd, there's a good chance you're not going to know who won the election. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thank you for sticking with us here on WCNC Charlotte for this Flashpoint primetime special. I'm Fred Shropshire. And I'm Sarah French. Mail-in voting has been in the spotlight a lot this election cycle with questions on if your ballot will make it to the right place on time, especially with all the turmoil with the U.S. Postal Service. WCNC Charlotte's Hunter Signs, along with our sister stations across the country, did a little experiment to test it all out. Here's what they found. Mail-in absentee ballots are not just coming in across the Tar Heel State, but all over the country. With the U.S. Postal Service in a financial pinch and politics at play, some voters have a flurry of fears. I'm really just concerned if I mail it, that it's going to get lost in the system and never get there. So we wanted to test the system. I'm Shannon Smith in Knoxville, Tennessee. In Jacksonville Beach, Florida. In Houston, Texas. In Louisville, Kentucky. In Columbus, Ohio. I'm Hunter Signs in Charlotte, North Carolina. In three, two, one. Reporters from eight states and ten cities across the country sent letters out to each other on the same day. And it wasn't long until I started to receive mine. The first coming in just two days after it was sent. The longest took seven days, and all of them were received. In a larger experiment, 12 NBC-owned stations and NBCLX sent 426 first-class letters between a dozen cities. 88% of the letters arrived within three business days, the Postal Service's on-time benchmark. The rest were delivered later, with only two never arriving after two weeks. That, I, I think that's, that's, very, that's very good. We took the findings to Mecklenburg County's Board of Elections Director, Michael Dickerson. What does that experiment to you prove? 
it proves that the system is working. That's that's fantastic. Uh, I uh, I think that's a it's a good uh, it's a good sign. He says Met County is receiving two to three thousand ballots through the mail every day. It's breaking records, but if you haven't sent yours yet, be sure to get it signed by a witness, postmarked, and in the mail ten days before election day. We're in the business to count votes, not deny votes. In Charlotte, Hunter signs WCNC Charlotte. We've seen some issues with ballots that have already gone out. Some voters are finding the return envelope won't open because it's already been sealed. One voter says her envelope was actually stuck to the ballot itself. We went to open the envelopes and they wouldn't open. So I got a knife and my son said stop because if you do anything they might think it's fraudulent and they won't accept your ballot. If your ballot is damaged, the best thing to do is to contact your local Board of Elections. They can send you a new one. Some people here in Mecklenburg County are getting two absentee ballots. The Board of Elections says they had to relabel a stack of them, and some of the duplicates were also mailed out. Officials say even if you try to mail back both, only one absentee ballot will be accepted in the system. We know there's a lot of questions about the absentee ballot process, as well as if you'll be safe if you actually go to the polls in person. WCNC Charlotte's Ben Thompson spoke with Mecklenburg County Elections Director Michael Dickerson to give you some peace of mind. You tell us as the man in charge uh, of keeping things on the up and up here, here in the Charlotte area, absentee ballots, they're safe. Correct, correct. This process that we use for absentee ballots has been in place here in North Carolina for the last 20 years, uh, and it's, it has proved its value, uh, where a lot of people that cannot get out and vote uh, or don't want to go out and vote in person uh, have an option, and I think it's a, uh, it's a tremendous option for the voters of Mecklenburg County, and if they so choose to do that in a pandemic year, this is a, a perfect option for them. Uh, let's talk about the other option people have um, if they're not going to vote on the day of, and that's early voting. Um, what's being done this year as far as early voting? I know there's going to be some some notable uh, places where people can actually go and cast their ballot in person. What uh, we were able to do this year is get rather large venues uh, to, to vote early, and we're very fortunate with that. Uh, uh, I'll be able to queue people up outside six feet apart so that we can stay safe during this whole pandemic and not have to worry about things. But we also, what the board also did was uh, increase the number of sites that we're using for early voting this year by, by 50%. We're up to 33 early voting sites. We're going to have, again, high school gymnasiums. We're going to have, obviously, the Panther Stadium, the Spectrum Center, Bojangles Arena, all these large spots uh, that folks can go and uh, make their plans and go vote early. Pretty cool if you can actually go vote at, actually at Panther Stadium. I think that actually <laughs> might be what I, what I end up doing. Uh, oh, yeah, you and a lot of people. The, yeah, I won't be alone for sure, but I will be socially distanced. Um, Good. Uh, the other part of this pandemic that people talk about um, w uh, when it comes to voting and, and the election are some of our poll workers. And, and, and we know a lot of our poll workers t tend to be uh, older and, and may have uh, compromised immune systems in, in certain cases. Um, are you having trouble finding the, those poll workers? First part of the question. Number two, what, are, what is being done to make sure that these folks are, are, are safe? Uh, we're expecting to have everybody up fully staffed uh, for election day and early voting uh, this year. So we're kind of we're kind of happy uh, with uh, with our, our 
poll worker status. As far as keeping them safe, that was the first question that they all asked us. Uh, what are you doing to keep us safe, uh, to make sure that we we are safe and, and secure? Obviously, we tell them the first thing is we social distance. Uh, we have six feet between everybody, especially in these large places, that you can uh, keep your keep your space and, and everybody can, can be safe there. We have masks for all our poll workers. We have face shields for all our poll workers. We have sneeze guards up for those interacting with the public. Uh, we have hand sanitizer. We're also, uh, interesting enough this year, we're using a, a single-use pen with a stylus uh, so that you do not even have to touch anything else that anybody else has touched. Uh, so that's going to be a fantastic little piece there that uh, they can sign theirs with a uh, pen. We call it their I Voted pen because we don't really want to hand out I Voted stickers anymore. Uh, but you'll have a pen that you can... Um, you can sign your name on your affidavit, and then on the back of the pen will be a uh, a stylus where you can touch the uh, voting panel uh, with the stylus and uh, never have to touch the voting panel with your fingers. Very nice. Very nice. Of course, folks shouldn't have to choose between keeping themselves safe and voting at a time like this, so uh, all good things to hear. All right, Michael Dickerson. Uh, thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Ben, great talking to you again. Take care. After the presidential and Senate race, the North Carolina governor's race is the next big item on the ballot in the Tar Heel State. Governor Cooper is running for re-election against current Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest. Governor Cooper's first four-year term has been marked by power struggles with the General Assembly's Republican majority, mostly over Medicaid expansion and teacher pay. And now he's dealing with the pandemic and has been one of the slowest governors in the country to reopen the state. Some argue that's good, others not so much. Stop treating us like we're the stepchildren that you don't care about. It just can't be a situation where we're putting people in harm's way because we don't have the resources that we need. Right now, the average from Real Clear Politics has Cooper up 11 points. Well, we've been telling you all about how North Carolina is a swing state, but did you know there are swing precincts? We're talking specific zip codes that could determine the outcome of the election. After the break, a look at if your neighborhood could be one of them. North Carolina, a battleground state, but if you look even closer, there are battleground counties and battleground districts, meaning your neighborhood could actually decide the election. WCNC Charlotte's Ben Thompson spoke with political science professor Michael Bitzer about just which neighborhoods could play the biggest role. It seems like to me, now more than ever, folks are... Um self-segregating along political lines and that North Carolina really is a microcosm for the rest of the country. It very much is. I mean, if you look at the polls, particularly at the presidential level here in North Carolina, North Carolina, along with Florida, are the two closest battleground states. And so I think the dynamic of what you refer to as us sorting ourselves is very evident in some of the research that I've done. Uh, if you look at precincts and look at the precincts within an urban city like Charlotte, in 2016, Hillary Clinton won with 61% of the vote. If you go to the rural communities, 
Donald Trump won those rural counties with 53 to 43% of the vote. But it's the suburban areas that nationally is the battleground areas that the narrative is talking about. But here in North Carolina, you really have to think about two different types of suburbs, one of which is very much a battleground status area. Okay, so, so break it down. We hear about battleground states and that, that North Carolina and, and Florida are battleground states, but you say there are battleground counties. Not just counties, but even down to the, the precinct level. I mean, we, we are getting to a point where precincts are moving more and more towards one party versus the other. And in suburban areas, I look at suburbs in two distinct waves, one of which is the suburbs within an urban county. So the Mint Hills, the Hen uh, Huntersville, Cornelius, Davidson, Pineville, those areas within urban counties in 2016 went 49 Clinton, 48 Trump. There's your battleground. But as you move into Cabarrus, Union County, uh, Gaston, Iredale, Donald Trump won those surrounding suburban counties with 60% of the vote. And I think both parties are looking at strategies in terms of thinking about November 3rd, how do they play within those dynamics in a true battleground state? The big question is how many people actually show up to vote and the turnout rate and where does that matter in terms of central cities versus the suburbs versus rural areas? We know the dynamic of where the votes are, are in urban counties. 12 of them will deliver 50% of the vote, and that's 12 out of 100 counties in this state. Listen, if you want to talk politics, there is nobody who is more knowledgeable than the man here that's sharing the screen with me right now. I've uh, been interviewing him for years, and, and it's always impressive what goes on in that brain of his and the numbers he can crunch on the fly. Uh, Professor Bitzer, thank you for taking time. We know you're a busy man right now. It's always my pleasure. All right, take care. What happens if you don't put enough postage on your mail-in ballot? We have the answer coming up after the break. about mail-in ballots is what sort of postage do you need to send your ballot and who pays for it? WCNC Charlotte's Rachel Lumberg breaks it all down for us. If you choose to return your absentee ballot by mail, how much postage do you need to return that ballot? This question is spreading on social media, and here's the answer. According to the United States Postal Service, your ballot will be delivered regardless of the postage you use. However, North Carolina does not prepay for your postage, so you should make sure the appropriate postage is affixed to your return ballot envelope. Not only does federal law require proper postage, but it also helps ensure timely processing and delivery by the Postal Service. North Carolina State Board of Elections says to put 55 cents worth of postage, that's the amount of a first class stamp, on your ballot return envelope. And like most things in life, if you don't pay for the proper amount of postage, someone will have to. USPS states short paid and unpaid absentee balloting materials must never be returned to the voter for additional postage. Instead, postage will be collected from the election office upon delivery or at a later date. However, it's different for those voting absentee by mail in South Carolina. 
Election Commission officials said they are providing prepaid postage on all absentee ballot return envelopes this year. We've got more information about this and plenty of other election-related topics on our voter guide at WCNC.com or our WCNC app. Or you can text us a question, 704-329-3600. For WCNC Charlotte, I'm Rachel Lundberg. Could we see a replay of the 2000 Florida recount this year? Well, after the break, we talk with an election attorney who was part of that recount to get his take on what will happen next month. See a news story. Wondering if it's true or false? Have WCNC verify it so you know fact from fiction. Send your ideas to verify at WCNC.com. Night results, well, it could take about a month. Experts say mid-December might be the soonest we have an official decision. WCNC Charlotte's Ben Thompson spoke with election attorney Tom Spencer, who was involved in the 2000 Bush versus Gore Florida recount, who explains the chaos we could see. We're trying to set expectations for uh, folks at home, what to expect. Um, the Florida recount, I mean, that seems almost quaint compared to what we could face here on, on Election Day. Uh, what are you expecting on, on the night of the election? On the night of the election, uh, I, I'm expecting that uh, there will be a lot of expectations of immediate results. There will be all kinds of predictions as to who's won and who's not won. Uh, but it's not going to happen. It's going to be many days, weeks um, before we know who actually won the election. The problem is that uh, December the 8th is the date that the Electoral College must uh, be uh, appointed and uh, they must meet on the 13th in order to get the electoral votes to Congress. And for North Carolina, that means 15 electoral votes. So uh, it, it's, it's not going to be what uh, we normally have expected uh, because of all of these mail ballots. We have uh, about 150 lawsuits all across the country. It's just not North Carolina. There are all kinds of, of uh, very, very important pieces of litigation that have to be resolved. And they've got to be resolved by December the 8th. Uh, th that's the deadline. Uh, otherwise, you know, it, it, it really becomes even super chaotic. So um, it, it's going to be uh, just a wild Bronco ride, frankly. As a person who's watched these uh, elections up close and personally, how comfortable are you with the outcome of this, uh, say, by the time we get to mid-December, going into January? How comfortable are you with we are going to get the right outcome? I'm 100% comfortable that we're going to get the right out outcome. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be filled with emotion, a lot of uh, charges going back and forth. But in the final analysis, uh, this country has, has the ability to mount a successful election that we can all have confidence in. We'll get the right result. All right, we'll get it right. That's uh, ending on a positive note. I'm going to I'm going to stick you to it. All right, Tom Spencer, uh, <laughs> attorney who knows these uh, these issues so well. Tom, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
And thank you for joining us tonight for this special edition of Flashpoint. A reminder here in North Carolina, you must be registered to vote by Friday unless you plan to register during early voting, which runs from October 15th through the 31st. The deadline in South Carolina has already passed. We know all of this has been a lot of information. If you ever have any questions about voting, just text the word vote to 704-329-3600. We'll send you back our complete voter guide. You can also text specific questions to that number and we'll get them answered for you right away.